Hey folks, Brian here. I want to thank each and every one of you who has been listening to Confessions of an Arcade Addict, and I want to ask that if you haven't done so already, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to it. That helps other people find the podcast. I do have other things coming up, uh, various trips to arcades around the area, and things of that nature, and of course I'm going to try and go back to Chicago in 2022, and with your help, I can actually do it. So please, like, rate, review, and subscribe, and if you're able to, and you're inclined to do so, please contribute to the podcast in any way that you can. Uh, The easiest way is to go to anchor.fm slash coaa slash donate. I think that's the link. So if you could help me out, I would much appreciate it. And that keeps me motivated to keep this podcast rolling past 100 episodes. I do have plans to do that. So let's see what we can do later. This is episode number 47 of the Confessions of an Arcade Attic podcast. This is part one of a five-part episode arc, uh, basically regaling my experiences in Chicago, which took place uh, about two months ago now. Well, almost three, actually. Um, Let's see, not too much has been going on uh, since I recorded and posted episode 46. Um... I did uh, work a shift at the arcade in Brighton last night. Um, I did have to do a rotation shift at my main job. So I had to have one of my co-workers cover my shift. So, you know, it is what it is. It's going to happen once every six weeks or so, apparently. So uh, last night was, you know, pretty fun. A lot of people... A lot of young people in the arcade, which is what I like to see. Um, you know, a lot of people having fun and enjoying themselves, especially the younger crowd. I got into a nice conversation with two guys who just wanted to walk around the arcade. Apparently, they live in Livonia, Michigan, which is about a 20-minute drive, 25 minutes um, from where they live to the arcade in Brighton, and they wanted to look around and see if. Um, it was worth the trip and worth the money. And I said, by all means, go ahead, take a look around. And they did, and they're like, yeah, we're going to come back here, and we're going to spend some money and enjoy ourselves. I'm like, cool. Um, and aside from that, it was just a regular night at the arcade. Um, you know, I 
showed up about an hour and a half early so I could actually play some games. Um, nothing really to write home about uh, gameplay-wise. Um, I couldn't get it together on Time Pilot. I only got a million four on Star Wars, but, you know, in all honesty, I hadn't played Star Wars in quite some time. Um, I could not get it together on Robotron for some reason. Um, I could only get like 250,000 or something like that, which is below average. And strangely enough, after I closed the arcade down and turned off all the machines except for the Robotron machine, and I played one game, I got like 650,000, <laughs> which is kind of funny. So, you know, I think I just needed to relax, apparently, or something going on in my head. And usually when that happens, that seriously affects my gameplay. Uh, aside from that, just playing the usual stuff at home, nothing new there. I'm considering buying... Um, compilations like Sega Classics and so forth. Um, I'm looking ahead towards streaming. I'm probably going to try and start doing that um, sometime in the new year, maybe around uh, February or March. Um, like I said, the Twitch account is all set. Um, all I need to do is just buy the equipment and get a second computer to handle the streaming duties and then off we go you know it'll probably be the way it's looking it'll probably be uh, a couple hours during the day and probably a few hours after I get home at night and we'll just see how it goes from there um, I'm gonna try to get the word out you know, in the various outlets, you know, saying, hey, I'm streaming on Twitch now, you know, come and check it out. And if you like it, follow me and we start that whole process. It's going to probably take at least a couple of years um, if there's subtraction there, because I'm going to play pretty much everything. I'm going to play arcade games, play console games. I'm going to play computer games, you know, anything I can, you know, stream, I will. You know, a lot of my favorites I'm going to play, you know, every once in a while, especially if something really gets my interest, I'll probably stream that as well. Um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, that's probably going to be early first, it's going to be first quarter, second quarter of 2022. So, you know, stay tuned as always. Um, once again, I checked the emails and voicemails and everything else and still nothing's out there. So once again, uh, you have any questions, thoughts, comments, um, if there are any games that you want me to review that I haven't reviewed yet, get a hold of me, arcadeaddictryan at gmail.com. There's also a phone number for voicemails. That number is 734-743-2433. And I'm on social media as well, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. On Facebook, just search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict Podcast. It'll take you right to the page. There's a discussion group that goes along with that. I keep meaning to post topics and so forth uh, in there, but real life keeps interfering and so on and so forth. Um, but I'm going to try and get some things rolling in there, and hopefully there'll be some, you know, some participation to go along with that um on twitter my handle is arcade addict underscore b on instagram i am arcade addict brian 
I do check Instagram more than uh, the other two uh, sources aside from uh, Facebook. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me aside from Facebook. So if you want to get a hold of me that way, please do so. And on Tumblr, it is tumblr.com slash blog slash confessions of an arcade addict. So once again, multiple ways of getting hold of the show. And I await your participation. I see I've been getting a ton of likes on uh, Instagram lately, especially when I post pictures from the arcade and so forth, which is cool. So I'm all right with it. So, um, you know, it, that's something at least. So, all right, let's get on with this because I've got quite a bit to talk about here. Um, I wrote everything out, all five parts to the Chicago trip are done. I'm probably going to go back to uh, a slightly accelerated um, posting run through this. Um, normally, I would record an episode and then I would sit on it for a couple of weeks and then edit it, spend one week editing it and then posting it. So it's like a one month turnaround. I think I'm just going to do it every two or three weeks, depending, of course, on how my free time goes. Because, you know, there are some people out there who have said they're waiting for my thoughts about, you know, my experience in Chicago. So without any further ado, let's get right to it. Story time. Our bodies are given life from the midst of nothingness. Existing where there is nothing is the meaning of the phrase, form is emptiness. That all things are provided for by nothingness is the meaning of the phrase, emptiness is form. One should not think that these are two separate things. Okay, story time. Uh, Initial thoughts on the Chicago trip and planning it out. Um, Okay, I've been on Twitch for years. Um, I want to say it's close to eight years now, seven, eight years at least. Um, I went on there just before, or excuse me, just after the name changed from Justin.tv to Twitch after Amazon bought it in 2014. Um, I found quite a few people to follow based on my gaming interests, which back then was poker, uh, Marvel superheroes uh, game, rest in peace (laughs) I still feel sad every time I even think about that game because I had so much fun playing it Um, retro gaming, arcade gaming RPGs and a couple of other genres Um, I had also been to Chicago back in 2006 which was fun but I went there for different reasons back then Um, I started following Jack Danger, a pinball streamer, I think I started in either 2013 or 2014 um, he's based out of Chicago, and I found I found him funny, and he, it was entertaining to watch him get a hold of a pinball machine he knew nothing about and just dismantle it with his skill. And through the years, he would get better. You know, it wouldn't take him long to you know just completely wreck a game. I mean, I remember when he went to level two fifty six back when it was still open. And he got a hold of a fully functioning baby Pac-Man machine, and he proceeded to wreck it. 
Um, the only thing he had to learn was how to play the Pac-Man part because he was no good at it. But between myself and a couple of other people giving him some tips and pointers, he got better at it. But when it came to the pinball machine vert uh, part of the game, he would absolutely destroy it. Um, but what really interested me when he interested me was uh, when he would go outside of his studio and he'd go to barcades around the Chicago area. Um, he, most of the time it was just him, his cell phone, a selfie stick, and just walking the streets on his way to Logan Arcade, the Emporium, or another place. Uh, he would sometimes bring his streaming rig with him, which was this framework that he would assemble and attach multiple GoPro cameras to, and he would stream playing machines live through Twitch from multiple angles. He'd have one camera pretty much facing him, uh, one camera on the game the game board, and then another one on the either the uh, digital score readout or the DMD. And that way you knew what he was doing, how he was doing it, and the scores he would get. So that was pretty cool. Um... I could only imagine, though, back then, how what his data bill was. It had to be absolutely horrific. <laughs> um, he did this uh, for years, but he more or less stopped doing it once the pandemic hit. Also, on top of that, he would... Uh, he, I think he's about to become a legitimate full-time uh, employee at Stern, and that's going to change things for him it's going to change things for the better for him i wish him all the best in that i mean i will say i'm going to miss him you know going on location to places but um it's fair to say that his life has done a lot of changing in the last year and a half as has it done for us all right um but he wasn't the only one who got my attention uh greg hansen was another infrequent streamer that i would watch um, I discovered him through YouTube and his series called Arcade Impossible, where he would work out a deal with somebody, get in his vehicle with a bunch of his friends, drive to the location uh, to where he would uh, purchase an arcade game, pick it up, and more often than not, it wasn't working correctly. Then they would drive it home, fix it, and he would put it in his basement. Um, he always had an ambition, a dream, if you will, to have uh, an uh, arcade in his house, in his basement. And through deal-making and, you know, shrewd purchasing here and there, he was able to do that. Um, from what I understand, uh, the last time he uh, did an episode of his podcast, which was, oh my goodness, like early... No, I'd say probably about springtime 2020... Or, no, 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 it was later than that. I'd say probably like fall 2020 or something like that. I have to look at my iTunes and see what the last one was. But he was uh, getting away from uh, doing the arcade in his basement stuff. That's what I gleaned from what he was talking about his podcast. He, he, he has a, several games that he's going to keep. Like he has uh, the Robotron prototype machine that he was able to purchase, and he keeps that in his office. And he bought that for, I don't know how much he paid for it, but it had to be a pretty penny, because that's a piece of gaming history, um, which was pretty cool. And, you know, 
I think he puts out an episode of Arcade Impossible maybe one every six months or so now. It was a little bit more frequent back in the day, but like I said, things have changed and probably changed for him as well. Um, let's see. Uh, the one thing that really blew me away about Arcade Impossible was the time they uh was it where you were able to purchase a cocktail asteroids machine for $25 and the screen wasn't working, which is probably why the seller sold it so cheaply. And all it took was some minor adjust adjusting once they got it home. Uh, I think they reseeded some of the chips in the board and the thing ran like new. It was, <laughs> it, it would just filled me with jealousy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would watch him when he would stream on Twitch, and I've mentioned him on this podcast, like his quest to score 100 million on Robotron and things like that. Um, he would also go to places around the Chicago area, and, and very infrequently he would stream it, and that was cool. Um, but the one who really got my interest in the Chicago area peaked was Doc Mack and his world-famous arcade, Galloping Ghost. Um, I can't remember when he started doing it, but he used to stream world record attempts and reveals of the new games uh, that he would put on the floor of the arcade. I think I watched him uh, through two, maybe even three expansions of the arcade, and over the years saw the total of games go well up uh, over 800. And that's where it is right now. I think the total's like 835 or something like that, somewhere around there. Um, so considering that the arcade scene here in the greater Detroit area didn't really start taking off until about 2017 or so, I was fascinated by the city that I would start calling Arcade Central. Um, I started promising myself that I would go out there one day, if only to take a train there, go to one or two places, crash in a cheap motel, and go home the next day. That was something that was in my head for years, but my financial situation was horrible throughout that time, and I couldn't even afford to purchase the t train ticket to and from Chicago, which is only three or four hours drive away. Uh, from 2019 to early 2021, I was working a full-time job and two part-time ones. I was in a constant state of tired and was able, barely able to pay the bills, but then some things broke my way during the pandemic. Yeah, who would have thought it, right? Um, in, including getting a main job that was much less stressful on me and taking a Saturday night shift at the arcade in Brighton. And because of those moves, I was able to get a little financial wiggle room. So that's when I started making serious plans to go to Chicago. Uh, I took the plunge in late June when I started making rental car and hotel reservations. Anyone who's listened to the show, I know I talked about it. Um, and I was saying to myself, if I didn't put my foot down and just go through with it, I would find excuses not to, or circumstances would conspire for me never to be able to do it. So I just said, screw it. You know, I have the money, I, have the t I can get the time, so let's just go for it. So I did. Um, once I cleared my schedule for four days, once I made those reservations right around the Labor Day weekend, that was a mistake, um, I got the time off and, uh, through the next month and a half or so, I hope and prayed that nothing would come up to force me to cancel the trip. Fortunately, nothing did, and I worked my way up, uh, to that Friday. 
uh, that is when I took a lift over to the car rental place, got the car, uh, went over to my home care side gig, did, you know, took care of that, packed my clothes, kissed my girlfriend and my son goodbye, vowing to be back on Monday, and off I went. <laughs> okay, so I do have some, uh, st- on, I do have an on-the-road segment, so I think I'm going to stop it right there. So... That was story time. That's part, and this is part one of five. So let's turn right around and go into Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying wet arse to my heather chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe you're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. Say like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. Yeah. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not going to buy a hemorrhoid cookie. We're not too old for this shit. Are you experienced? Monaco GP. Yeah, this is a classic racing game. One of the first ones that really got my attention. I think it was like Sprint 2 that got my attention first, but once Monaco GP came out, forget it. <laughs> okay, um, so let's get the basics down, and that requires me to read from Wikipedia, so here we go. Monaco GP is an arcade racing game released by Sega in 1979. One of the last Sega games to use TTL chips instead of a microprocessor CPU. The game has players race against a clock and pass rival racers while attempting to earn points driving through five areas. The game was commercially successful in arcades. In Japan, it was among the top three highest grossing games of 1979 and top five in 1980, while in the United States, it was the top grossing driving game of 1981. It continued to regularly appear on Japanese arcade charts through 1983 and made a record number of appearances on U.S. arcade charts from 1980 through 1987. Wow. Uh, An upgraded version, Pro Monaco GP, was released in 1980. Monaco GP was ported to the SG-1000 in 1983. Uh, The series also had later releases, uh, Super Monaco GP and Ayrton Santa's Super Monaco GP 2. Monaco GP was one of the latest arcade games made by Sega to use Transistor, Transistor Logic, based on discrete logic circuits instead of a microprocessor-based central processing unit. Over 100 chips across two circuit boards operate the game. Sprites and other images such as the cars and game over message are stored in small custom ROM chips. Sound effects such as the car's engines, a siren, and the sound of wheels slipping on pavement are generated by operational amplifiers and other analog circuitry. The scoring information appears on various LEDs located on the cabinet, including the player's score and the high score table. The main objective of the game is to race against the clock. Points are awarded as the player races through five areas. As the game progresses, rival cars controlled by the game get faster, the road narrows, and the road surface changes changes to ice and gravel. Uh, Multiple styles of arcade cabinet exist for this game, including a deluxe cockpit cabinet, which was designed in approximation to sitting behind the wheel of a race car with a padded steering wheel and accelerator pedal. And 
<laughs> I was able to actually play one of those, but we'll get there. Patience, people. Okay, the release and reception. Initially displayed at the Japan Amusement Association show in Tokyo in 1979, Monaco GP received a positive reception at its debut. Sega chairman David Rosen called the game's warm reception at the show evidence of the world's growing acceptance of coin-operated arcade games. Monaco GP was released in November 1979. An upgraded version called Pro Monaco GP was released in 1980. The original game was later ported to the SG-1000 and SC-3000 in 1983. It became highly successful in arcades. In Japan, it was the third highest grossing arcade game of 1979, then the fifth highest grossing arcade game of 1980, and then the 20th highest grossing arcade game of 1982. Game Machine later listed Monaco GP on their July 15, 1983 issue as being the fifth top grossing upright cockpit arcade cabinet in, of the month in Japan. Wow. I mean, that's some longevity right there. I mean, to be that popular even four years later, that says something. To continue, uh, in North America, Cashbox magazine reported that it was the most popular arcade driving game in the U.S. in 1981, and it was among the highest grossing games of the year. The game appeared on the monthly arcade earnings charts of Replay magazine from April 1980 until April 1987, a record number of appearances to which Namco's Galaga was the next closest to reaching. In 1985, Eddie Adlam of Replay called Monaco GP the, quote, most evergreen arcade hit to emerge from 1979. French magazine Tilt gave the SC3000 version of the game 6 out of 6 stars in graphics and 4 out of 6 in gameplay. Sega later revived the Monaco GP series with Super Monaco GP in 1989 and Ayrton Senna's Super Monaco GP 2 in 1992. In 2003, Sega made a re remake for the PlayStation 2 as part of the Sega Ages 2500 collection. The remake features a number of additions including more cards and game modes. Kurt Kalata of Hardcore Gaming 101 applauded the 2500 remake in particular for its improvements to the gameplay of the original, believing that it would have been worthy of a separate release outside Japan. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Okay, my, my experiences with it. <laughs> I mean, pff, it's no big surprise when I say that I love this game. Uh, when I was bumming out in my home arcade back in the day, I would spend a good deal of my time just watching this game in attract mode. Uh, when I played it, it was just a lot of fun. The digital point counter was what really made the game great, and watching the points accumulate as you drove. Uh, the changing environments, which affected how your car drove, were a great touch as well. I truly believe this game was revolutionary and way ahead of its time. I was so jazzed to play an environmental machine at the Underground Retrocade, which I'd never seen before in my life. This still stands as one of the all-time great driving games, in my opinion. <laughs> that's how I feel about it, and that's just how it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could have done a strategy for this, but I'd have to play it, and play it a lot, and... The problem is, is that this game is not an emulation. I think it's because of the uh, the uh, transistor, the TTL thing. For some reason, it doesn't translate over to emulation very well. 
I do remember somebody like, oh goodness, I want to say like six, seven years ago, actually wrote a uh, modern, not a modern, but he did a, he recreated Monaco GP, but it wasn't quite on the same level as the original. I mean, the original is just that. <laughs> original. You know, it's not easy to you know, em, you know, to imitate or to copy. It's just a great driving game. I mean, if if you can find it somewhere, by all means play it. I mean, we'll talk more about its uh, sequel, uh, Turbo, in episode uh, 48, uh, which is the next one, of course. So, um, yeah, so if you guys out there have played Monaco GP, and, you know, if you remember it, hey, tell me what you remember. I would love to know about it. ArcadeAddictBrian at gmail.com Okay, from there, let's go right to Arcade Rundown. Good morning, Mr. Phelps. Your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, is to make Stefan believe Thompson's information. As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. Arcade Rundown. Galloping Ghost Arcade, Brookfield, Illinois. Um, when I arrived in Chicago at my hotel and got some sleep from a much longer drive than I anticipated, and that'll teach me not to plan these excursions around a national holiday weekend, <laughs> uh, I woke up Saturday morning really looking forward to going to Galloping Ghost. Uh, it took me about 35 minutes to get down there from my hotel. Um, side note, I tried to book a hotel that was more or less centrally located around, of the, around all the arcades that I would visit. And the next time I go, I need to do a better job of finding one because um, I took a hotel room over by O'Hare Airport and that was a little too far away. I mean, it took me 35 minutes to get to Galloping Ghost, another 30 to get to, uh, you know, the downtown area or the west side where uh, a couple of places were. I can probably get something a little bit closer, but that's for next time okay um as i drove i took in the sights um once i got away from the area of my hotel i could see i was driving through the hood not that that bothers me because i grew up in the hood but i learned from the time i was a little kid that if you're going through the hood you keep your eyes peeled you keep your eyes open you always look around you see what's going on because you never know who might do who might do something so that's what i did um fortunately the drive took place without incident and I found the signs of the for the arcade on the left side of the road as I was heading westbound down Ogden Avenue. I pulled around to the far side of the building, found a parking spot, and headed in. Uh, I think there was one guy attending the desk. I gave him 30 bucks since I wanted to also check out the pinball arcade a few blocks up the street. I got my receipt, which allowed me to re-enter the arcade as many times as I wanted. Then I started walking the place. It, and yeah... I always, when I go to an arcade, especially a big arcade, you know, like this one, yeah, I always take time to walk the arcade first just to see what's going on and, you know, what machines are functioning and what machines are playing. So, yeah, that's what I did. Um, it took me 15 minutes to go from one side of the arcade uh, to the other just looking at machines. 
Um, it is rather close quarters in there, which is no real surprise considering that Galloping Ghost has more or less expanded like three times uh, in the last, what, how long ago did they open? Did they open 2010? Yeah, I think they opened 2010. So they've been around for, you know, over 10 years now. So they've expanded three times in that space of time. And, you know, basically it's taken up an entire building. <laughs> you know, I think that was like four different, three different storefronts aside from the arcade. And I think they just kept on expanding that way. So, yeah. Um, let's see. And, of course, you know, the game, the place is jam-packed with machines. Uh, machines that I would expect to be there. Machines that I haven't seen in years, even decades. And, of course, a ton of machines I had never seen before. Uh, seeing as I had slotted an entire afternoon for this place, I took my time going around. Um, as I walked, I noticed the high scorecards on top of each machine, showing the world record and the date it was made and by whom and the top three scores achieved in the arcade done in the same manner. Uh, the first machine I played was, in all its glory, a Polaris machine. Uh, I ha absolutely had to play it because I haven't played an actual Polaris machine since I was in 8th grade, which was 1982. Uh, and so it went. I think I spent about six hours total at both arcades, and when I was done, I decided to go back to my hotel and take a nap before going out for the evening after getting something to eat for dinner. Um, I would go into more detail about my experience, but I did write an in-depth review of the place, which is coming in the next episode. It goes into depth about what I liked and did not like about the place, but needless to say, I did enjoy myself there. And that's my rundown of Galloping Ghost. So, um, like I said, you know, any thoughts, comments, anything like that, arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. Okay, and finally, we're going to get on the road. Uh, this is uh, the first part of my on-the-road notes for these places that I went to, although the first one is just... You know, while I was driving down Interstate 94, <laughs> heading uh, towards Indiana once I got out of the Ann Arbor area. So, uh, I haven't listened to this. Uh, well, I'll listen to it when I do the editing for the podcast, but I have not listened to this since I recorded it. So, it's been almost three months since I recorded it, so I've kind of forgotten what I said. So, let's find out what is it, what's on it together, shall we? <music> What's going on out there? Brian here, and I am on the road. I'm heading to Chicago right now. Uh, let's see. I set out at about 3.20 p.m. Mistake number one. <laughs> it is now 5.51 p.m. And I have only gotten 
out of Chelsea, Michigan. It took me the better part of an hour and a half and dealing with stop traffic on highways and U-turns and back roads to get to where I'm at now. I should have known better. This is completely my fault. I should have taken an extra day off of work and left on Thursday. That's what I should have done. It's not like I didn't have the time off accumulated, working six days in a row, and maybe taking three days off in the space of six months. But yeah, this is on me. I should really know better than to try and take a drive all the way to Chicago, Illinois along a major highway during a holiday weekend. I should really have known better. So, lesson learned. I should have known it because I have memories of what I used to do test driving and doing test driving on holiday weekends is a nightmare in and of itself. I mean, you were pretty much guaranteed to get back to home base late because not only did you have to deal with traffic and massive amounts of it, but then in order to get away from the majority of it, you had to back road it quite a bit to get away from the major um, constriction points. So, I mean, only now, let's see, I'm what, what exit am I approaching? Well, I'm passing mile marker 146, and Sergeant Road is exit 145, a mile ahead. Only now am I able to go at highway speed. And I basically had to back road it quite a ways to get out of the Dexter Chelsea area. And it didn't help that there's massive construction on Interstate 94 between Ann Arbor and uh, Chelsea. That didn't help either. <laughs> so yeah, now, now that I'm, you know, heading westbound and um, outside of the quote-unquote Ann Arbor Metroplex. <laughs> it's not a major city, but it is a city. Um, now that I'm outside of all of that, now I'm able to, to boogie on down the highway. But yeah, it, this was this was a nightmare. Definite nightmare. I really should have known better. I should have taken the extra day. But oh well. So anyway, enough of my ranting about holiday traffic because in the end it's still my fault um let's see 
So yeah, um, I do have a little bit of an itinerary. I haven't really gone into depth about it yet. I'll do it when I get to my hotel room, but there is a barcade. I think they close at midnight. So I think once I get in to my hotel room and I get settled, I'm going to head there and I'm going to start this. Um, that's my, that's my plan for tonight. Tomorrow, I've just slated for Galloping Ghosts. As a matter of fact, as soon as I get in to my hotel tonight, I'm going to see about, um, hitting up Doc Mac and seeing if I can, uh, interview him, uh, sometime Saturday or Sunday or Monday, you know, when, whenever he's around, because, you know, I don't want to inconvenience the guy, and it's a holiday weekend, you know, he could be, um, he could be, you know, doing something for, you know, getting, got out of, gotten out of Dodge for the holiday or whatever, but I mean, if he's around and he's amenable, yeah, I want to interview him, you know, I mean, I got questions for him, because, yeah, there, there are some things I want to know, but we'll see. We'll see how it all comes out in the wash. I mean, hopefully I can at the very least beat the guy. Because, I mean, the guy is a, is an arcade visionary. You know, dare I say, a legend in the industry. I mean, he's got the world's largest arcade. You know, I don't think there's an arcade on the face of this plant that's bigger. When you've got 825 machines, got three wings of the place, and then you've got a studio, uh, an, uh, an auto garage, and a pinball arcade, which I'm also going to check out, you know, what can you do? <laughs> I mean... You're just, you're just the man. That's just the way it is. <laughs> There's no getting around that. You're just the man. So, yeah, that's my major ambition for Saturday. Because where I'm posted up in Chicagoland, it's not that long of a drive to get to uh, Galloping Ghost. I mean, it's a longer drive to get to... Uh, the west side where um, what's the face is where um, Logan Arcade is and um, what else um, Emporium is and all that stuff because I'm going to probably hit those places on Sunday and I don't know what I'm going to do Monday yet because I'm probably just going to hang out uh, on Monday and you know whatever ha whatever strikes my fancy is cool before I get on the road to come home I mean I'm probably going to have to leave about 6 o'clock local time to make it home by 11 o'clock uh, eastern time 
because it's a four-hour journey from here to uh, Chicago. You know, <laughs> barring holiday traffic, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, so... I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, my girlfriend was sad that I was leaving. I mean, it's worrisome for her because she's, you know, she doesn't like the fact that I drive for a living. I mean, I've been a professional driver for, oh goodness, 25 years almost now. And it's just, this is just my chosen vocation. That's what it is. And, you know, she's lost family members in automobile accidents. And, you know, she's been in several automobile accidents herself as a passenger and a driver. So I get it. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? This is just how it's going to be, sweetheart. You just got to deal. My son wasn't happy, but then again, you know, he likes being around me when he's home, you know, whether he wants to, you know, play a game with me or, you know, he's just coming in the room and just doing something silly to get my attention. That's just how it is. You know, that's just what, that's just who he is. He's, He's a daddy's boy. You know, like I've said before, I knew it from the moment that they, he came out of the womb and they put him in my arms and he grabbed onto my pinky with a scorpion deathlock level grip (laughs) to when I knew this boy was going to be more or less a powerhouse. So, you know, I mean, in the end... You know, I'm not worried per se, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, they, neither one of them wanted me to leave, but you want to know what? I had to, <laughs> you know, we're talking seven, I'd probably say six years. No, 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 no. I take that back. Um, I'd say probably closer to like 10 years. No, not 10. No, it was what, 2013? Yeah, 2013. So, eight years. Eight years since, you know, I've had, you know, I've taken time for myself between working multiple jobs, taking care, making sure everyone around me, who I'm responsible for, is taken care of, you know... You know, and when it comes down to it, as much as I love doing it, like a jaunt to the arcade is not going to cut it. There comes a time where I need a few days just for me. And that's just how it is. And, you know, it's like, it's like uh, everybody, I tell everybody who I talk to when this subject comes up in regard to them. You know, they're like, I want to go and do this thing, but, you know, I got to do this. Like, you know, I got to do that. It's like, look, (laughs) I just say, look, 
at some point you have to take care of yourself in order to take care of the people around you. That's just a fact. There is, there's, you know, and another thing, it's like, oh, but, you know, I don't want to do it because, you know, I'm being selfish. And I'd be like, look, there's good selfish and there's bad selfish. Good selfish is doing the things to take care of yourself, you know, to recharge your batteries mentally, physically, and spiritually. You know, bad selfish is just doing what you want and everyone else around you can just go hang. You know? That's what bad selfish is. You know, bad selfish is just not caring about anybody whom you are responsible for. You know, like, you know, your spouse, like your kids, you know, family members to a certain extent. You know, you just have to be like, hey, I need some time off. And that's what this is for me. You know, I mean, it it hasn't gotten off to the best of starts. (laughs) I spent an hour and a half just trying to find a carry bag for my clothes. Because the ones that I have are either old and wrecked. You know, you know, they're old or wrecked or both. And it's just like, ugh. <laughs> you know, like there's one, there's one bag that I have used in my travels for years and years and years, but I can't use it anymore because back when um, my home care client, who is also my ex-fiance, whom I have a really good uh, friendship and relationship with, um when she was living with me shortly after I got my own place in 2004 one of her cats went in there and destroyed it you know so yeah I can't use that bag anymore as a matter of fact I need to chuck it um that's one of the things I'm going to be doing probably over the winter time going into spring of next year is to to do that because we may and I'm crossing my fingers and eyes and toes and legs, you know, and anything else I can physically cross. I'm crossing my fingers that um, we get a new place uh, like next summer because, you know, as much as I like the place I live in, God only knows I've lived there 17 years, you know, going into eight, going into uh, 18 years. But that place is just, I mean, with, you know, myself, my girlfriend, and my son, it's too small. I mean, they say the legal limitations for number of people living there is four. I'm like, I don't see how. (laughs) That place is for two people and two people only, pretty much. You know, so, anyhow, um... So, yeah, I mean, this is being good selfish because I've been working so much and so hard for so long that even to, like, the last, I want to say, week or so, you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh, don't, just don't do it. You know, put it off, put it off. 
don't do it. And it's like, no, I'm doing this. I need this. <laughs> That's just the truth. I need this. And everybody who I'm around and who I'm involved with, they know it. And they're like, Brian, just go. <laughs> you have the time, you have the money, go. You need this. <clears throat> and I'm just like, uh, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I need this. So here I am. You know, in a rental car, driving along Interstate 94, heading westbound to Chicago. So anyway, um, so yeah, I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm, I might or might not have an addendum onto this. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take plenty of pictures. And I'm going to do a lot of vocal notes for rundowns and reviews. And I have to, if I'm, when I'm going to do arcade reviews, I really have to pay attention to location because I just need to see and know how easy it is for me to get to a certain place and where that place actually is in regard to everything. You know, like um, Galloping Ghost Arcade is right along the main drag in Brookfield. You know, I saw it. It's like... Um, you know, like I said, it's the, basically the main track that goes through town. So I have to give it a high location rating. But yeah, I mean, it's just something that I'm, you know, I'm looking at, looking forward to. And hopefully you guys enjoy all the content I'm about to uh, unleash upon the listening audience. Um... But yeah, I'm hoping to get a hold of Doc Mac. I'm hoping to get a hold of Jack Danger. And we'll see what happens from there. So, okay, this is more or less part one to um, this on-the-road segment for my trip to Sweet Home Chicago. So I'm going to leave it right here. And if there's an addendum, I'll, of course, I will add it in and, you know, string it all together so that it sounds pretty seamless, but we'll see. So, this is Brian, signing off. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. You can contact the show by email at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-743-2433. Until next time, you have been listening to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. See you then. Mm-hmm.